From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. In case you failed to check your calendar in the last few days, it's already March, which means everyone is talking about resumes and thinking about brackets. On today's show, we'll welcome FloridaGators.com senior writers Chris Harry and Scott Carter to discuss men's basketball's rescue at Vanderbilt and the critical finale with Kentucky, Kelly Ray Finley's newly minted status as the head coach of the women's team, a spectacular showing for gymnastics on senior night, and true life tales Hollywood needs to produce in the PAT. Then, women's basketball's All-SEC first-team star Kiki Smith shares her story and sheds light on how this remarkable season has come to pass. But first, it's time for the Gator Roundtable presented by Pet Paradise. Are you the kind of fan who loves your team as much as your pet? Bring your pets to play where animal lovers and sports fans collide. Pet Paradise, the official pet care provider of the Florida Gators. A lot to get to on this week's roundtable. Let's not waste any time with Gators Scott and Gators Chris. Uh, and obviously, basketball is a big topic of discussion right now on both sides of that uh, of that facility. Let's start on the men's side, Chris. Um, you know, it's funny the way that, that these stories play out. I think with five minutes left in the game on Tuesday night against Vanderbilt, um, everybody had an idea where it was going and what it would mean. And then, as is often the case in sports, things change. And suddenly, what was the the death knell to Florida's tournament hopes becomes an amazing comeback that possibly propels them to upset Kentucky and get in the big dance. I mean, you never know how it's going to play out, but Florida obviously is in a better position after that last five minutes than they were prior to it. Let's even go back a couple of days before that. I mean, the, the Flandres Fleming Jr., the last two games, um, certainly uh, deserve some mention here. Uh, Gators went to Georgia needing that win badly. And obviously Georgia is a last place team and they were expected to go in there and roll. And Flandres Fleming Jr., a native of Athens, went in there and rolled, man. I mean, 27 points. I think he had six rebounds. He was across the the box score um, all over it and uh, responded in, in a game the Gators were supposed to win and really had to win. And any man, he just stepped up uh, Tuesday night in that Vanderbilt game. When you when you think back at the end of the game, and and hopefully people listening uh, uh, watch that, but his sequence of events late in the game when Florida let's let's just to recap a little bit. Florida's down eight uh, inside the media timeout. They'd just given up back to back three pointers. That after getting the making it a one possession game and making a nice comeback there. After Vanderbilt went on a crazy 15 nothing run, they were just bombarding ridiculous three-point shots, late shot clock daggers. They had they were 15 to 28 from three at one point wow. with four minutes left in the game. You know, so uh, it, things could easily have gone south there, but they mustered something. And one of the guys that mustered something was Flandres Fleming. That it, it's a it's a I believe a three-point game, and after the Gators scored, and they're in they set up the full court press inside a minute to go. And Vanderbilt throws over throws over it for to Scottie Pippen, who's got 29 points at that time. And it looks like an easy bunny layup on the other end. Flandre Fleming chases him down, blocks the shot. Then at the other end, gets the ball at the top of the key and drives and feeds a nice, just really pretty 
no-look pass to Toon Gatkek for a layup. Now it's a one-point game. And, of course, after a turnover on the inbounds play, uh, uh, he hits the three to to give them the lead and ultimately uh, uh, win the game for him. So this is a guy that they had high hopes for that that maybe hadn't played to the expectation of, of what some people had for him and maybe what he even had for himself. But, um, you know, his final stat line, my goodness, 16 points. He had four rebounds. He had a career-high six assists here. He had three steals. He had two blocks. Um Really, really great performance. And and Mike White said it. What that play that he made, that block was a, a kind of a microcosm for how Florida had to play at the end of the game because over, over um, after Vanderbilt had that ridiculous offensive showing, I mean off the charts offensive showing. Their last eight possessions, they scored once and turned it over three times or mm. four times, I believe it was. So um, they had to muster stops. They had to make shots, and you know, frankly, they had to win the game. Uh, Mike White doesn't like to talk about postseason uh, expectations and speculations and what have you, but uh, everyone else is allowed to talk about it. We're talking about it right now. And they would have been out the window if they had lost that game. Uh, Don't know what's going to happen against Kentucky. They're a fabulous team. I mean, they just destroyed the Gators the last meeting by 21 points, but it's going to be a uh, interesting day Saturday. It's a whiteout. The game will be sold out. It's senior day. There'll be seven players honored, including Keontae Johnson. Um, I imagine the atmosphere is going to be electric in there, you know, with a chance to, I mean, if Florida can be Auburn, they can be Kentucky. Um, but it's going to take a, 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 you know, probably the best game of the season to beat a team that has Oscar Toshibwe, a guy who's now has, I believe it's 22 double doubles this season. Wow. Um, they lead the league in, in, in scoring field goal percentage and three point percentage. Um, so it's going to have to take an across-the-board uh, effort from them. And I, I, if, I, if I can, one more thing. Let's give a, 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 a bow to Niles Lane and Toon Gatkek, who came off the bench. And like a guy like Toon hadn't played very much this season. Mm. Um, he had to step in there last night. And those two guys combined were 6-6 six of six from the floor. Um, they had, uh, I guess, a couple rebounds. Um, they played, uh, I want to say, a combined around 34 minutes. And there were big minutes, man, and and they defended, and they defended at a at a high level and at a time the Gators really needed. So, uh, I was on the plane on the way home. It was a very happy plane ride home. Um, so was the one from Athens, where I mean they they gave a rousing applause to Flan, who had to walk through I want to say sixty or seventy family and friend members after that game. You know, tried to say his goodbyes and his hellos as, as much as he could before he got on the bus to a to a big uh, uh, ovation there. So good week for him and a, and a good week for the Gators since uh, you and I uh, last talked about him last week. When the Vanderbilt win does count as a quad one, which means Florida has two quad one wins in the last week and change, uh, double what they had prior to that. What What is the formula right now in your mind? Is it beat Kentucky and you're in, beat Kentucky, do X amount of work at the tournament, what and if, if it's not a Kentucky win, is there another route that does get Florida in in your mind? Well, I mean, let's let's assume the Van the Vanderbilt game. Even after Florida won, Vanderbilt actually moved up in the net. So that is a it's a it's a it's a precarious quad one, but it it didn't it didn't lose any of its weight in that loss. So let's just say it stays that way. I mean, I I do think you got to be Kentucky, Adam, because I just don't think a three and nine record in quad ones is 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 going to impress anybody. Um, 
short of, of having a, a run to maybe the finals in the SEC tournament, because if you get there, you've, you've won a couple more quad quad one opportunities uh, there, but if they were to somehow um, defend home court uh, against the cats on Saturday and say, get to Friday in the SEC turn, then you're talking about, you're talking about 21 and 12. That's, that's going to give the NSA people some pause. Now, I mean, I just, yeah, you just want, you, you would love to not uh, put it in the hands of the people who got to, who got to make that decision and kind of let, you know, make it for them because you don't know what's going to happen with the other bubble teams. Right. There's always bubble places that are stolen when somebody in a one bid league steals a, uh, an NCAA tournament bid uh, with, by winning their conference tournament. So you want to take that out of the equation. You don't know who's going to get hot and, I think if you beat Kentucky and if you could say, you know, win two games in the SEC tournament, um, I think you'd feel much better about yourself, but I still don't think it's a, it's, it's an automatic by any stretch of the imagination. I think people would take into consideration how well Florida played down the stretch. That's always something that they do part of the quote unquote eye test. But I think the only way that they see something good in this eye test is, is by beating the cats on Saturday. It's definitely not an easy case to make right now, but at least one that's still alive after the uh, the comeback at Vanderbilt. Let's turn our attention now to, to the women's side. Uh, they are going to be in the tournament. We know that. We don't know exactly where yet. Uh, what we do know at this moment that we didn't know a week ago is that they have a permanent head coach uh, on Monday of this week. Kelly Ray Finley was finally elevated to that post and uh, you know caps off what's been maybe one of the more remarkable stories of the year in, in all of women's college basketball, let alone at Florida. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously on Monday, she was named the permanent head coach after a 20 and nine season, uh, 10 wins the sec. And, uh, it, it was well-deserved. I mean, it really, after they put together those 10 wins in 11 games, you, you almost felt like it was, it was definitely going to happen. But Scott Strickland, uh, picked the, the time that he thought appropriate to do it. And uh, now you wonder if how that would give this uh, a team a little bit, maybe a boost as they go into the SEC tournament. But speaking specifically to, about Kelly Ray, I mean, she's already been named uh, SEC Coach of the Year, I think, by USA Today Sports Network today or this week. Uh, and I would expect there will be other awards in her near future. Uh, what can you say? I mean, she as we talked about on this show before, she took over in a really difficult situation. No one really understood where it was going and how it would play out. And she somehow brought a fractured team together and did it pretty quickly. And she, they went on to 20 wins when they lost the, their supposedly best player during the regular season in Lavender Briggs, who had decided to transfer to Maryland. So he had all those factors up. Uh, and it ends up being the, the best women's basketball season at Florida in a long time. So uh, she earned the job. Uh, her, you could tell how happy her players were with the, the reaction they had uh, when Scott Strickland uh, made that announcement. You know, they had been, of course, a lot of them share stuff on social media. It was also uh, a big win with the fan base. I mean, you could tell there was a lot of support out there to people who – maybe haven't paid attention to uh, women's basketball at Florida in a long time. They started paying attention. So uh, Kelly Ray Finley deserves a lot of that credit. Yeah. And it's a five-year contract, Adam. And obviously that sends a message to, uh, you know, prospective uh, student athletes um, that the team was, 
recruiting or was about to recruit or continue to continue to recruit um, that she's, she's going to be here a while. So I, I have to say, uh, yeah, she was named SEC Coach of the Year by USA Today. The one that the 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 big award, uh, but that given out by the Southeastern Conference, went to Dawn Staley, which is I wild. Mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I, I I was absolutely stunned by that. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss had made a remarkable turnaround. Obviously, Florida made a remarkable turnaround. Don Staley, I probably went into the season. I I don't know off the top of my head. Probably ranked second or third in the country maybe i think number uh, one yeah it's, it's yeah, like or, or 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 number one it's like giving nick saban sec coach the year like no <laughs> if that's he's always gonna win yeah. you're supposed to give you're supposed yeah. to look at at more you know remarkable yeah. stories than that I t- but um i wrote a story uh i was in there when scott strickland told the uh the team that kelly would be the permanent coach and um I think, you know, for the, if, if you've been following this story, certainly on social media, you, you just every time that they would win the game, uh, win, uh, win a game, you would get bombarded with, you know, tweets and what have you about, uh, uh, you know, why isn't she hired? Why isn't she hired already? Give her the name, take the interim tag off. Well, I mean, she was, this is something that had been discussed very early on in the process that she would be in the mix. And while they were beating team, beating Tennessee by 25, uh, uh, beating LSU, I think at one time it was four out of five ranked opponents when they hadn't beaten a ranked team and God knows how long, uh, certainly that many, I, I think since like 2005 or something like that. Got Strickland to look, look, you just focus on your team right now and the rest will take care of itself and, you know, give her credit, give Kelly Ray credit for, you know, heeding that advice and, and, and the players as well. And I think I've said this on the show before, but I mean, you were, when the camera hits her during dead balls and whatever, she seems so optimistic and positive with, with her players. And it's obviously resonated and they play hard for, her. I was actually uh, Tuesday night. Um, they arrived uh, for the sec tournament, which is in the women's tournaments in Nashville this year, while the men play in Tampa and I arrived and they all filed in and they had a, a seats behind the basket, behind the Florida bench for the, for the men's game last night. And uh, they were very happy and in a, re- in, a in a really good place. And, uh, were some of the loudest fans, uh, you know, when Flanders filming hit that shot to win the game. So um, they're happy. The program is happy. And uh, that'll be an interesting story that obviously uh, Scott will be following as the, as it moves into the postseason. So, yeah, now the question is what's next for them. Uh, they're at the SEC tournament. They'll have the NCAA tournament after that. They've got an all SEC first teamer in Kiki Smith as well. We'll hear from in a few minutes on this show. Um, but Scott, what, what else are we expecting for them as they, they go into the postseason here? Obviously did not finish the regular season the way that they wanted to, and they did lose that top four seed in the SEC. But bigger picture, what are they looking at? Well, I mean, their tournament, NCAA tournament, it looks safe regardless of what they do with the SEC tournament. But I think the SEC tournament is important for them just to get back on track because, as you mentioned, they have lost three in a row. One of those losses at LSU wasn't a big concern. They really played well. They just didn't make a shot at the end. Uh, but the loss at Vanderbilt and then losing at home to Missouri on senior day, uh, you could tell just it looked like the tired team. It looked like a team that, you know, had needed to get some fresh legs and gonna have a rematch in Nashville against Vanderbilt, a team that really disrupted what they like to do offensively just a week ago. So right off the bat, they got a, a good challenge up there. Shea Ralph's done a nice job at Vanderbilt. Uh, second half of the season, turning them around. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get a challenge right away, and we get a chance to see how they respond to it. And, again, I don't think if they go up there and, you know, win it out, it's going to 
impact whether or not they're in the NCAA term, but it will impact their seating. So they obviously want to go up there, you know, just feel feel good about themselves when they do get that uh, that bid. You talked about Senior Day for women's basketball. Uh, also, Senior Night for Florida Gymnastics was this past Friday. And not not exactly a, an, an easy meet either. They had Oklahoma coming in, a top three team going head-to-head, uh, which is a good challenge, obviously, late in the year, getting closer to the to the postseason and getting to the NCAAs. Uh, and, and they responded about as well as you can, Scott, one of their highest scores of the year, top scores in the nation at that, and really sent the seniors out in, in a strong way in front of a sold-out crowd. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere uh, in the uh, O-Dome. I tell you guys, I mean, I've been to – I've been going to these gymnastics meets now for a decade or so, and I uh, I don't know if I've ever heard it as loud as it was, uh, you know, when Trinity Thomas got a ten, I think, on the uh, the beam, and uh, then they finished off the floor in great fashion. I mean, uh, you know, sold out crowd. Number two against number three, and number three won. The Gators uh, knocked off Oklahoma, and barring a, a you know some injuries or something unexpected. Uh, for either one of these teams, I mean, they're going to both be in the finals at the NCAA tournament. So this was a good preview potentially of, you know, what we'll see down the road. Uh, but, you know, the Gators now have to uh, go on the road. Uh, they have a chance to claim the SEC regular season title outright, but they have to go up to Auburn. And uh, that's never easy. It's never been uh, harder this year with Suni Lee, the Olympic hero, having a great freshman season at Auburn. Uh, you know, you've got two of the premier gymnasts in the country on display in Suni Lee and Trini Thomas. Uh, so it's going to be an electric atmosphere up there. And uh, we got a lot – we still have a lot of ground to cover on this team, Adam, because, you know, they, they still have the SEC postseason and then regionals and then finals. But so far they're checking off the boxes uh, appropriately uh, with the, some national title hopes they're getting it done at a – a very high level right now. Well, one box that, that we check every week here is our PAT. Let's jump into that. Uh, I got a fun one for you guys, or at least I think it's fun. Uh, we're, we're living in an era of not only a lot of true crime. True crime is a big thing, especially with podcasts uh, and miniseries. But also the, the latest craze is... I guess, true business stories. We've got a lot of these things in the past where documentaries now being made into, into uh, long-form TV, into movies. Uh, right now, there's a, a WeWork series that's out about the crazy Adam Newman that ran WeWork. There's one about Elizabeth Holmes, the, the swindler from, uh, from Theranos. There is the Tinder swindler. That's, I think it's a documentary. Uh, but point being, there's all sorts of crazier-than-fiction stories that are being brought to life. And, and it got me thinking, what are some stories that you are intrigued by that have not gotten the Hollywood treatment yet who you think should be next in line? And maybe it's sports, maybe it's not. Well, I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, I don't know. It may play out to the point where it'll uh, have a sad ending, but someone's going to make a movie about Vladimir Zelensky. I mean, what's going yeah. on on that side of the world and the stand and that, that, that he has taken, the defiance in the face of, of what you would think would be insurmountable odds, what what's happened so far. I mean, this is kind of a modern day 300, isn't it, Adam? I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it just when you think about 
the odds, what a lot of people probably would have expected was to happen. But um, remember, this is a guy who was a comedian uh, and decided to run for president of Ukraine and won. He was in Dancing with the Stars uh, uh, for that country. You know, a successful uh, performer in the entertainment industry decided to take this side. And now he's probably as uh, revered as anybody on this planet right now. Um, and I imagine there will be somebody who does a, uh, a film on him. I don't know, maybe another uh, uh, PAT we can talk about is who would play him, who would play uh, famous characters nowadays or what have you. But um, I think maybe my answer is a little more uh, to, on, a, on a serious tone than maybe uh, you had intended. But just right now, that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about. And, I, and, and I, I don't know how long it will take because we obviously probably have to get some closure to this for it to have uh, some kind of a, an ending. And like I said, I don't know if that will be a great ending, but I imagine it will be a great story and a lot of people are going to tell it in just about all kinds of formats that you could possibly imagine. And there, there's a cool sports angle to that as well. The mayor of Kiev is Vitaly Klitschko, former heavyweight champion, and his brother, who's probably a little more famous, Vladimir Klitschko, he's also taken up arms. But yeah, there's it's definitely there's a sports angle to it as well that, that's very compelling. Um, Scott, Chris has, has laid down a tough act to follow. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if you can come back from that with, uh, with Tiger King, which is also coming out now with Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin. Um, but what, what is, uh, what came to mind when you heard this? I mean, let's just face it, guys. You can almost get on the internet any day now and find a story that you're like, whoa, is this real? And obviously with the streaming services and the millennial generation having as much time they as they have, they don't really work. They mostly just <laughs> watch TV. <laughs> you know, this is actually serious here. To me, like when you think about, and I would like to know, and this, I'm being serious here, I would like to know how someone like Antonio Brown got so nutty. Like, <laughs> what is his real story? Like, yeah. I mean, here's a guy, I mean, every few weeks during the NFL season the last decade it seems like he's in the news for reasons that you shouldn't be and I'll be honest with you before he you know probably a few years into the league I mean I really didn't follow his career that much I didn't know where he went to college or anything I didn't know he was from South Florida I didn't know he went to Central Michigan didn't really know a lot about him of course I got to know those details about him just from reading so much about him because he's always in the news and it's always bad so What's this guy's story? I mean, he's obviously a very troubled human being. And let's face it, sports have plenty of those. Yeah. Football has plenty of those. I mean, I can name a couple of them that have been really uh, really famous over the last uh, 25 years. But I, I, w- I would just like to see a story just to learn more about how he got the way he is because he's one of those guys. Would it ever surprise you guys if we woke up one morning and the headline on ESPN.com and read was, Antonio Brown found dead or something like that. I mean, you can think of every sports figure right now in play. He'd probably be at the top of, top of my thought list of a headline yeah. like that. And that's sad to say. I mean, that's just being real, though, because his track record is evidence for that kind of inning. Hope it doesn't happen. Hope somehow in 25 years Antonio Brown has turned it around. Uh, there, We've seen those stories, too. But he does not appear to be headed that way. So I think he would be a – if not for a, a dramatic Hollywood movie, he's certainly going to get 30 for 30 treatment at some point. Seems only a matter of time that Dennis Rodman gets a, uh, a I, movie. I, I think that's happening. 
Is I think it? somebody's doing happening? that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's happening, actually. The weekend he took off in the middle of the season to go to Vegas, and they let him go. Someone's doing oh, that's, just that. Yes, just that weekend. Yes, that would be like hangover four or something. Yeah, but I, I like we need more than that. We need to know. We need him becoming Madonna. You need all that. You want? The we whole need thing, the right? the North Korea stuff. Like we need all this stuff for Rodman. It's such a strange, bizarre story like, for a sports. What, the figure. dress posing. Yeah, in the exactly. Dress and the everything. Common yeah. Electra stuff. Yeah, yeah, all that, all that. I'm sure Why we'll not? get it. I'm sure we'll get it in time. But he seems normal compared to Antonio Brown. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> How about that? Maybe a bit <laughs> far on that. Um, <laughs> the only story I know for sure is being told, or the ones that are happening this week, and that, that you guys are covering. Um, so I encourage everybody to stay locked into FloridaGators.com. Follow these two at Gators Scott at Gators Chris. Obviously, a lot happening tournament wise for both for ramifications for basketball on the men's side and the women uh, trying to make a run in the SECs. Uh, so yeah, check these guys out. Keep on top of things. And we will not have a round table next week, but the following week we'll have a lot of things to discuss uh, as both NCAA tournaments will be getting underway. Will they both feature the Gators? Time will tell on that. But for now, uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Scott. And we will talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks, Adam. All right. Thanks. Some players like to talk a big game on social media or when cameras are present, while others let their play speak for itself. Kiki Smith has every right to be boastful, but the women's basketball grad student quietly goes about her business on the court, which led to her placement on the All-SEC First Team and the All-Defensive Squad, the first Gator to achieve either honor in five years. We connected with Kiki just before Senior Day to hear her story and uncover what's led to such a stunning campaign. Um, I grew up in uh, District Heights, Maryland, but a lot of people probably would know that better if I just say Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, I live like 10 minutes away from Washington, D.C., so not far at all. Mm. I've really been there my whole entire life. It's where I want to live when I when I finish like everything. I want to stay in Maryland. I love Maryland, so. What is it? Uh, what do you love so much about Maryland, about the, the greater D.C. area? <laughs> uh, my honest and true answer is, I mean, we don't have like knock on wood, but we don't have like hurricanes, tornadoes, (laughs) like none of that stuff there. We got all four seasons. You know, it's not too crowded, but it's not boring. It's a lot of things to do out there. It's just, but I think like it's just if I could, you know, if I could pick somewhere I want to be located, it'll definitely be in Maryland for sure. Um, so as far as, as basketball for you, when did you first start playing? I know you mentioned your brother being older. Did he play? Is that how you got into it? Yeah, um, everything I I did, I did because he did it first. Mm-hmm. So when he, when he did karate, I did karate. When he quit, I quit. When he did baseball, I played softball. So everything I seen him do, I just followed in his steps and did it. And basketball was just the one that you know, when he stopped, I still loved, I still wanted to continue to do so. What was it about basketball that uh, that took for you? Like, why did you love it so much that you continued even after he stopped? Mainly because of the people that I met through basketball. You know, I was playing basketball with kids like my same age, and we was all going to the same middle school, all going to the same elementary school. So I was doing it more for the social reasons mm-hmm. of it when I was younger. And then once I started to, you know, actually lock my mind into wanting to be great at it, I started to see how much better I was getting. And it just made me want to continue to keep pushing with it. Was there a, a moment where the, uh, an aha moment of sorts, where you realized, oh, wow, I, I can really do this. And this can be, you know, this could be an engine that can, that can take me places. Um, probably when I got cut 
Uh, so I was playing on this one AAU team, but I was the youngest and smallest one. And I don't know why they was doing it, but they ended up cutting some players off the team. And I was one of the kids that got cut. And um, so then I had to go to another AAU team, who at this time was, you know, my rival AAU team in our area. Mm-hmm. You know, like every time I played against this team, it was always like a very competitive game, a high energy game. So when I had to go to this team, you know, I was a little nervous and stuff. But when I went to that team and I seen that the coaches were uh, building a team around me, I went to a whole different uh, position. I was always the point guard, but I'm saying from being the smallest, youngest one who really played to now I'm being, I'm still probably the smallest one, but <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, the starting point guard. I'm getting a lot of love. I'm, I'm seeing myself score the ball, and they just gave me a lot of confidence. So You mentioned some of the other sports that you did, largely because of your brother. Uh, when I was reading about you, I saw that you also played football. Um, <laughs> to what degree? I mean, we're talking like, were you on a team? What What was your, your football experience? Uh, yeah, uh, I played football every bas- every offseason for basketball. Uh, <laughs> the small I was, it was just flag football. Then I, play, I did play one year in tackle. I was actually good, but my mom, she just felt like I was taking it too far. Like she <laughs> knew I wasn't going to have a career in tackle football. So mm-hmm. uh, that's mainly why I quit because I'm like, I'm not going to go to college or high school to play football. So I might as well just stick and put all my energy towards basketball because I know I can get somewhere with that. So that's basically what it was. Yeah, what what position did you play? I played uh, running back, wide receiver, cornerback. Were you the only girl playing on those teams? What was that like? I was the only girl playing on my team, but there were other females in the league, one of which I still talk to to this day. We ended up playing on the same basketball team. Oh, well, that's cool. Um, how did that affect you? Did that Do you feel like that made you tougher? Did that make you put up? I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious how that how that affected you being the only girl playing on a, on a football team. I don't know. Like I said earlier, it's just these people that I was playing with, we was all, it's like a rec league. Mm-hmm. We all live in the same area. We all go to the same school. So to me, I didn't really look at it like I was the only girl because I was with these people every single day. We was all close. We was all like best of friends, all 12, 14 of us. So mm-hmm. I just felt like we was just out there doing it. You know, I didn't even really look at it like a male, female sport. Yeah. I definitely felt tougher, though, because I was getting hit and I was fine. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was just we was just always all together. So. Yeah. So what do you remember about uh, about getting recruited? What, what is when you think back to that time, what, what stands out? I mean, it's cool to see, you know, you go to area tournaments and you go to different tournaments. And you see hundreds of coaches just lined, lined up to watch your basketball game. But at that point, you don't realize that they're here to see this player or that player. You just know they're here to watch a good game. So it definitely can be nerve wracking, especially if you see coaches that you know or that you hear like a lot of like uh, I remember I played a game. And Brenda Freeze was there. Hmm. And you, I'm like starstruck. I'm like, yo, because right. I'm from Maryland. Yeah. And Brenda Freeze is like the top dog in Maryland. So I'm like, yo, that's that's Brenda Freeze. So it's kind of cool to see like uh, coaches just come out just to want to watch, you know, a good basketball game. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of realize that you, you choose a school, you play against these coaches and you meet them and you talk to them. And yeah. What were some of the offers you had in high school? What were What were the decisions that you had to make when your offers came in? I already had my mind that I wanted to go to Syracuse from Mm -hmm. the moment I started realizing that I could go play basketball in college. So I was going to like different camps and stuff, different college camps, but the Syracuse camp was one that I was going to every single summer. 
you know, I felt like I knew the campus like the back of my hand. So when I uh, hit the age to, you know, be able to commit verbally, I committed to Syracuse verbally, which kind of, you know, start my recruit recruitment because you I'm in the 10th grade and I'm already committed. Coaches right. really reach out anymore after you say you're going to a school. So I committed to Syracuse really, really early. So ultimately, you ended up at, at ASA College and then you mm-hmm. made the decision to transfer. Um, what was that one year like that you had there and, and what made you want something new? Well, ASA is a JUCO, so, you know, you don't stay there for four years anyway. Right. Eventually, right. You, you end up transferring. So it was definitely a great experience. Like, if I can go back, I wouldn't change it. I would do the same thing again. I would go, definitely go back there and I would transfer again. Um, it just made me, when I hit this level of basketball and I came to Florida, it made me very, uh, a lot more grateful and uh, a lot more aware of how things can get taken from you. And I just knew that once I got here, I wasn't going to take anything for granted because I've seen, you know, like basketball not at the highest level, but like the struggle at ASA, I would say. Mm-hmm. So you talked earlier about uh, if you could choose anywhere to live, you would want to be back home in the D.C. area. Um, and that's where you've been your whole life. But then obviously big change coming down to Florida. So what went into that decision to uh, to come to the Southeast and kind of take on a, a whole new experience? Mainly, uh, probably when I first met Kelly, my first introduction with Kelly, the first time I seen her, you know, any other college coach probably wouldn't have took a chance on me because, uh, you know, when uh, Coach Kelly, she came to my practice and I'm, we're in the middle of doing a drill and I get irritated. I go to my coach, my junior college coach, I go up to him and I'm like, I'm not doing this. Uh, I told him, like, I'm, I'm not practicing anymore. Like, my teammates is fighting. They're arguing. Like, I'm not doing it. And at that point, like, I knew that, you know, Kelly was there. But I didn't realize that, you know, I can't really say that because I got people that's <laughs> looking at me. Right. So I know for a fact if any other coach would have seen that out of me, they probably wouldn't have took the chance. They probably would have been like, yo, this kid, he's like, she hot-headed or whatever. But the fact that Kelly still wanted me, and even after that instance, that instance made her want me even more. So to hmm. see that she was willing to take me, you know, after seeing that first ex- impression of me really made me like uh, want to be like, yo, I think I, I want to go there. So hmm. it was before I even I committed to Florida before I became my visit here. Wow. Because because I, that situation just made me realize like how real Kelly is and how much she didn't really care about, you know, all the things that people say college coaches care about. No, I could tell at that moment that she was a different type of coach, the type of coach that I knew I needed. So, you know, if I could backtrack for one second, in terms you said you were committed to Syracuse, why did you end up not going there? I tore my ACL 11th grade in high school, and then I tore it again 12th grade in high school, the same one. So I just felt like for myself, I wasn't prepared enough mentally or physically to go into ACC, you know, produce and play. I felt like I needed just to take some time to get my body back right, to get my mind back right before I go into a situation where school is hard, basketball right. is hard. I feel like if I would have just forced it and rushed into it, I probably wouldn't have had a, the best experience because I wouldn't have went in there, you know, fully prepared, fully mentally ready to go there. So I, I just felt like for myself, I needed to uh, go to junior college route just to not dive into something hard academically and as hard, you know, basketball-wise too. That's interesting. I feel like most people, especially at that age, wouldn't have the maturity 
to make that decision? I mean, where, was that something that your parents helped you with? I mean, I think most people just want to go, for, you know, they don't think about, oh, I need more work. Everybody thinks that they're the best and they don't need any help, right? So mm-hmm. what was it What was it that, that gave you that, that perspective? I did have real conversations with my family just about college in general, the school part of it, not the mm-hmm. basketball side of it. And at that point, I had missed, I had already missed a lot of school because I had surgery back to back. Um, you know, you on bed rest for a minute. And then after my second time, I had surgery on both my legs because they mm-hmm. took something out of one leg to put in the other. So I, was, oh, I had wow. two cast, two cast on basically. So there was no way I was going to school. So I had to have that conversation with them to ask for their, you know, advice on what they think I should do. And they was real with me about it. And I understood. So, mm-hmm. so ultimately, when you get to Florida, what were the toughest parts of that transition, both from a basketball standpoint and also uh, from a school standpoint? I mean, you talked about that. That's a big part of it. So how did you make those adjustments coming from junior college? Well, when I ended up coming on my visit here, I got close with the team. They had already prepared me. So I came on my visit in April and I didn't end up coming into the school until August. Okay. So from April to August, you know, I'm talking to my teammates and they're already helping me you know, prepare for how it's going to be when I got on campus. I mean, I already knew I had the basketball part in my pocket, you know, so I knew that the workouts and practices wasn't going to be hard academically. You know, I meet with Garen, who's our academic advisor, and I talked with the coaches, and I didn't feel like it was going to be a situation that was going to add stress on me. I felt like they was going to, you know, give me the right tutors, put me in the right classes, which they did. I actually came into college thinking it was going to be way worse than it was. That's good then, right? That's a good way to go. Yeah. Better that than the other way around. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about this season, sort of fast forwarding. Um, this has been obviously a season unlike really any other in, in a long time for, for the mm-hmm. women's basketball program. Um, a lot of people are paying attention. A lot of people are watching your games. They're coming to the games. What's it been like? seeing that happen from your perspective, given that you've, you know, you've been in the program a long time. So you know that this is, this is a different story than the one that's been told before. I mean, it's been cool. It's been fun. I think that you play, you play in these games and like, since I've been here, I've been playing and I've been thinking that I've been having fun, but mm-hmm. we haven't been, you know, winning. So now that I'm playing and we're actually winning now, I know for a fact I'm having fun. Like the whole time I've been here, I've been thinking that, We've been, you know, we've been, we've always had a good team, but now I just like the the feeling of us, you know, actually putting it together. They're all coming together to, you know, do what we're doing now. I imagine your perspective on this would be interesting because you talked about your initial connection being with Kelly in terms of coming mm-hmm. to Florida in the first place. Um, but what have you seen her do? What has she done from a coaching standpoint, from a leadership t- standpoint that has enabled this incredible season to happen? I think just the way she connects with us, she connects with us in a way that makes us really want to play hard for her and play hard for each other. I think just her being herself and her being like she's real, her being able to be real with us and still care with care for us uh, makes us just want to go hard for her. You know, I don't feel like she's done anything differently, you know, from being an assistant to uh, associate head coach to interim head coach. I feel like through all the tags she's been given, she's been the same exact person. She just had to take a different step each time. But in general, the way she coached, the way she teaches, the way she prepares has always been the same. So as we're talking today, uh, you've got senior day coming up. What do you, when you think about that and you think about the journey that you've been on, what comes mm-hmm. to mind? 
I mean, I had cereal last year as well. Oh, you did? Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't really know. Senior year to me isn't really that big of a thing because we still have basketball games left. Right. I don't think I'm going to get the true feel until like the last game. Mm-hmm. Like senior, senior day, like, yeah, it's the last home game. But as far as like my teammates, I'm just, I still have a long season with them. So it doesn't really do anything. Make me feel a certain way. You know, for a lot of people, senior day means they're on the, the verge of graduating. You've already graduated, right? You're already a Gator graduate uh, with your bachelor's degree. What does it mean to have that, you know, regardless of anything else that happens, to have that in your hand and know what that means? What, you know, how, do, how does that make you feel? I feel really good, you know, uh, especially Florida being the, the school that it is academically. And me realizing all the ups and downs it took to get that. So it just feels like a huge relief, you know, to just have the degree already in my pockets, for sure. Beyond basketball, looking down the road, whenever that is, what do you hope to do with that degree? What what are your goals off the court in the future? I mean, not playing-wise, I still want to coach the game. I still want to be a part of the game of basketball for the rest of my life. So if it comes down to it, that's what I'm going to end up doing. Basketball is obviously a huge part of your life, uh, but off the court, what do you enjoy doing? Shopping. Uh, I don't know how to swim, but I can sit at a pool and be in the water. <laughs> I would say that those are my main two that I could do outside of basketball. For sure. How did you develop a love for hanging out at the pool if you can't swim? That seems like a contradictory thing, right? Like. <laughs> I don't know. I've been like this for since I was small, though. I okay. love going to the pool. So I, I literally do not know why. I, I read, I was looking at some uh, some fun facts about you, that you have a passion for candles, specifically the champagne toast scent. How mm-hmm. does one develop a love for champagne toast candles? It's maybe the most oddly specific thing I've ever seen in a bio. Honestly, I just like the smell of it. I never really was into candles like that until I got here and my teammates lived at Bath and Body Works. So (laughs) I just I just fell in love with them just like they did. And I was just the best one that I liked at that point. So do you have them like all over your your apartment or they like in every room? I got a couple in my room. Uh, My roommates got a couple in there. We got a couple in the kitchen. So, yeah. Okay, just got a good good vibe. And and anyone you go into good vibes. Yeah. Final thing for you, Kiki. You know we're at that stage now where it's a uh, it, it's postseason time, right? That's where that's what we're talking about. That's where everyone's looking now. How much do you guys talk about specific goals at this stage? Is it about we want to get to the weekend of the SEC? We want to get to the Sweet Sixteen, the NCAA? Is like how much do you mm-hmm. talk about specific goals at this point? Honestly, we try not to talk about that. We try to just take it game by game. You no, know, we go into a game thinking that we don't beat them. We're not going to be sweet succeed. Then that's going to be on our mind the whole time. We're going to be looking at the clock. We're going to be just focused on everything else besides ourselves and playing our best basketball at that moment. So, I mean, we say it. We need this game. We're playing. We're playing for something. We're playing for something. But we don't get into specifics of what that something is. We just know that we are playing for something. That's that's about all we say about it. Well, Kiki, obviously you've had an incredible season. Uh, the team has had a remarkable year. Congratulations on everything you've accomplished so far, and good luck knocking down even more doors going forward. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Gator Tales wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to help us continue to grow. 
be sure to keep track of all of the orange and blue action by visiting FloridaGators.com, then come back here every Thursday during the athletic season for an all-new episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gator Tales.